Coming up on today's show, we talk to the guys behind the Bureau of General Services. What is that, you might ask? Well, stay tuned and find out. Welcome to the Big Gay Fiction Podcast, the show for readers and writers of gay romance fiction. If you can read it, write it, watch it, or listen to it, these two guys are going to talk about it. Now, here are your hosts, Jeff Adams and Will Knauss. Welcome to episode 29 of Jeff and Will's Big Gay Fiction Podcast. I'm Jeff from jeffadamswrites.com. And I'm Will from willknauss.com. Good day to you, sir. Good day. How are you? (laughs) Okay. (laughs) It was a busy and fast-moving week. Um, yes, it was. Yeah. You were away once again. I was away at work, in, for work in Santa Monica, mm-hmm. and that always seems to make the weeks just fly by between being busy down in the office there, and I got writing done. I wrote about 4,000 words this week. Yes. <laughs> I threw away 600 of them accidentally, but sad. <laughs> it was sad. I rewrote them. Hopefully they're better, because won't those be considered second draft words, potentially, mm-hmm. since I had to rewrite them? No. No? Oh, well. So much for making me think like that. (laughs) Anyway, other book news. Uh, Sweet and Sexy came out this week in paperback. Paperback collection with four short stories. It has uh, Rivals, Heatwave Tuscaloosa, Make the Right Choice, which is the hat trick spinoff novella, and Rivals, which is my very first short story, like, ever. Mm Mm-hmm. It's very cool. Yeah. They're all really good. They are. I, I like them. They're some of my favorites. I like the, them. The, each of them are, are, are some of my very favorites, and it's nice to have them in paperback. So it is. It's a good thing. Available now on Amazon and yeah. other outlets to come as it rolls out you know, through the Create Space Network. Yes. Um, we should give an acknowledgement um, of Prince's passing this week. Mm-hmm. Um, very unexpected on Thursday. Uh, I think we could easily do half a show on his tunes and... How we listen to them. I know they for me they were high school and college tunes. Um, you must have had them a little earlier than that since you are four and a half years younger. Significantly than I am. younger. Significantly younger than I am. Um, there was a great uh, thing on him, an appreciation this morning on CBS uh, Sunday morning. So we'll link to that in the show notes and encourage you to give that a look. Uh, it's also the last week this week for uh, the autism awareness auction that Tammy Middleton's running. Uh, thank everybody who's uh, bidding on the hat trick books. It's so much appreciated. Uh, it's nice to see that creep up. There's more than 40 lots up for bid, so get out there and place your bids. And when when does that end? It ends this coming Saturday, April 30th, will okay. be the last day for the auction. Okay. And I believe she's cutting it off at midnight central time since she's in Texas. <laughs> okay. All right. Everyone check that out. Yes. Good stuff. Um, I, I flirt-loaded myself on the show this week. You, I just keep going. You've got a lot of stuff to talk about. Um, What's up next, sir? I also finished a book by Richard Pearson. He's a debut novelist. It's a book called The Role. It is very theatrical. I loved it because of its theatricalness. Uh, it follows the story of Mason, who is auditioning. He's been slugging away broad, on off-Broadway, off-off-Broadway for years. He's going in for this Broadway show that he thinks he's going in for the ensemble. But he discovers somebody who he used to work with in acting class, who he had a big crush on, who he thinks is just the reader for the show, but turns out he's the star of the show in these auditions. And he gets snuck in and he becomes, he ends up cast as the uh, co-leading man. And it's fascinating to, to read behind the scenes of the audition and the rehearsal process, 
the things the director puts these guys through, mm-hmm. um, how it affects Mason's relationship with his boyfriend. Uh, I will admit I had a very love-hate relationship with this book. Uh, it is beautifully written. I loved the detail in the audition and the rehearsal process. But there's some things that go on in the relationships that I'm just like, no, don't do that. Uh, but it's you could also see it happen in reality. So I loved it. I gave it five stars on Amazon. I need to write up a, a thing for it on our blog, which I will hopefully do before I put this episode out so I can link to it in the show notes. That would be nice. Yes. Awesome. And we're also getting Richard on the show uh, probably in June cool. to talk about the book. Cool. Well, for a quick pop culture wrap-up this week on The Voice, the top 12 performed. Uh, Everyone was actually exceptional. They were. They're not a clunker in the group. No, not at all. Everyone was really, really amazing. Yeah. Um, I was was stunned when my voice app pinged me on Tuesday to say, hey, the Twitter save's happening right now, and I hadn't watched Monday night because I was out of town. And I opened to find that Owen... And, and uh, Emily. Owen and Emily were the ones to be saved. And having not seen, I saved Owen because I've been gravitating towards him anyway. And then I watch the show with you when I come home on Friday. And Emily and Owen and everybody else were extraordinary. Yeah. And then Emily had to go home. Um, it was sad. I, it's, it's rare that all 12 just hit all cylinders all the time. Mm-hmm. There's usually one you're like, eh, okay, they can, they can go. <laughs> that didn't happen this time. And how about Niall on Dancing with the Stars? He just continues to impress with his ability. Mm-hmm. Um, he ended up with a new partner this week because it was switch-up week, so he was with Sharna. Now, Sharna does have experience with performers who have certain limitations because she was uh, Noah's partner a couple years ago and went a long way with him. But this this Viennese waltz they did was amazing. The, the synchronicity they had and musicality, it's just unbelievable. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's uh, the singular shining star uh, on this season. Mm-hmm. It's a pretty, um, we zip through it incredibly fast. It's a pretty uninteresting season. Uh, I'm sure the rest of the contestants is, are lovely people, but we don't. We do watch Kim. Kim Fields. We Kim love Fields Kim is Fields fun. because, you know. But, you not, but I agree with what you say. I actually watched Dancing with the Stars Monday night, mm-hmm. hanging out in the hotel room. And it's like, eh, it was okay to just sit there and watch it while I was doing other stuff and whatever. And, you know, then Niall comes on and he lights up the screen and lights up the room. And it's like, go Niall. Yeah. If he doesn't win, I'll be shocked. Yeah, I don't think there's anyone else who's, um, so far at least, come even close to kind of... Tapping into to what he's been able to yeah, do. Yeah, there have been other people with high scores, and occasionally people outscore him or mm-hmm. tie with him at the top. Um, I don't think anybody has galvanized the fans as much as he has. I have to imagine he's winning the votes. Yeah. So, go Nile. Yes, go Nile. Um, so our friends over who did the, the gay sex coloring book, if we remember this, showing that, my coloring on the on the video, um, are coming out with another coloring book. This time it's the Pride coloring book. We have a sample page here, which possibly shows on the video a little bit. Um, they're doing a GoFundMe for the Pride coloring book uh, to get it off the ground. 
uh, you can visit GoFundMe.com slash Pride Coloring Book or check that link in the show notes uh, to go over there. They've got the free page available there uh, to grab it and color it. Uh, there's several um, levels of funding that you can give, including ones where you can actually submit a picture that they will turn into a picture to be colored in oh, the book, cool. which is kind of cool, right? Neat. So yeah, go check that out. Give them some funding. They're looking for $5,000, uh, and they're trying to gain that uh, through the end of May, I believe. Okay. And we're also looking at having uh, the creators of the coloring book on the show uh, sometime in May to talk about not only the gay sex coloring book, but the new Pride book. That would be awesome. Yeah, that'll be cool. Cool. So, so, shall we move on to our interview of the week? Uh, back when we were in New York for Rainbow Book Fair, uh, we stopped by the Bureau of General, General Services Queer Division and talked to Greg and Donnie. They talk about the genesis of this space, which is a part bookstore, part gallery, part event space. Uh, it's the only gay bookstore left in Manhattan anymore at all. Uh, we love going there when we're in the city, and we love sitting down with these guys uh, to talk about it. So let's get to the interview. It's a bit of a long interview this time, but I guarantee you the information and the stories they have are well worth your time here. We're here with Greg and Donnie at the Bureau of General Services Queer Division, which is inside the LGBT Center in New York. Uh, thanks for being with us. Uh, take a moment to introduce yourselves. Sure, sure. Well, I'm Donnie Jokum, and um, I am originally from New Orleans, and I moved to New York in 2000, and we actually met about five years ago, so the project started fairly early in our relationship, so we'll get to how that all sort of came to the table. <laughs> we always, we like to joke that we got pregnant quickly. <laughs> <laughs> and gave birth to a bureau. Yes, and a bureau was born. <laughs> um, my name's Greg Newton. Um, I grew up in Connecticut in Coscob, so about an hour north of the city, and I've been here since 91. Um, and what else? I guess we'll just hop into Well, let's move center. on like, <laughs> to how, the Bureau. How did you give birth to the Bureau? Mm, yeah. yeah. What the Bureau is, what's its origin, and what is it? Yeah. yeah. Well, so we were, we were walking around where a different light used to be. Mm. Um, and that was in September of 2011. And we just asked ourselves, you know, when did that close? I can't even remember. And then we said, wait, when did Oscar Wilde close? Which led to, wait a minute, is there no gay bookstore in New York City anymore? That's embarrassing. We should do it with a bar. <laughs> <laughs> and so the, the pipe dream began. And then we started, mm -hmm. you know, like, hey, we've got this great idea. We're you know, we'd love to do this. How do we make it work? We know bookstores are closing and everything, but it's got to be more than that. You know, we, right. want, we want some kind of community space. Yeah, I think for me, it, it stemmed it, the same conversation. It also stemmed from frustration of having to go to some place like Barnes & Noble in New York, which is pathetically stocked with LGBT titles. It's an embarrassment. <laughs> to be in a city of, of <clears throat> 9 million people and go in and have, what, one, Os one Oscar Wilde book, um, one James Baldwin book. Uh, you're lucky if you get a Dale Peck or a Scott Heim book and maybe an Edmund White, right? And so frustration from that experience of having to go to them and then um, not wanting to shop online 
um, and pay through channels because I felt like my background was in music retail and I know what that means for copywriting <clears throat> and for artist royalties. And when you go through a third channel like that, chances are diminished that an artist is going to get their due. Mm -hmm. So it came from some of that frustration, that business frustration, but also as a literature major, not having the experience of going into a gay bookstore to discover things, connect randomly with books, with titles, and meet people. So there was some of that for us as well, you know? Yeah. And then the fantasy from, oh, let's do this, let's just do this, and well, if we're gonna do this, what are we gonna do? And if we had an ideal situation, well, let's have books, and let's have zines, and let's have a, a cafe, and let's have a bar, and we'll have events, <laughs> and we can have performances, and musicians play, and so. Art it all, on the walls. Right, it yeah. all came down from a like, <laughs> okay, what's the core to get this accomplished? And then we just started brainstorming with all of our friends and our network. And researching. Researching. It's, yeah, it's funny yeah. looking back how much energy we spent on thinking about the, the cafe, considering that yeah. it's never yeah. materialized. <laughs> what kind of sandwiches like, are we going to have? Yeah, exactly. get little, you are know, we going to allow Wi-Fi in the cafe? Because I'm really annoyed with <laughs> Yeah, because, you know, in New York you can't go to a coffee shop because everyone has moved in. Yeah, for right. the day, so you can never find a table. And that was one of the big discussions was Wi-Fi or no Wi-Fi? <laughs> so that, that conversation whittled down to some reality and we got connected in the book industry. And the, the ABA we reached out oh. to, we went to some meetings, conventions, and then initially in the beginning, which then led to volunteering at Blue Stockings for Greg the summer before we actually kicked off and yeah. just it was yeah, a like lot of early in 2012 mm -hmm. we yep. incorporated yep. um and just kept talking to people and yep. reaching out a lot to mm. you know the um the cuny lesbian and gay studies mm -hmm. uh center um mm. feminist press which yep. is also at cuny and yep. i was a grad student at cuny too so i had a little mm. familiarity with that mm. um and uh and then yeah we met Kimmy, Kimmy yep. David, through mm -hmm. uh, at one of these booksellers meetings. Uh, Kimmy's from was from Blue Stockings, and she was super excited that what yeah. someone's opening a queer bookstore <laughs> yeah. in New York. Great. Yeah. Um, so that did lead to me volunteering mm -hmm. at Blue Stockings uh, in the summer. I don't know if you guys are familiar or no. anyone watching. Mm -hmm. uh, Blue Stockings is on Allen Street in Lower East Side. Um, and it's a radical bookstore is how they build themselves. Originally it was focused on women and yep. feminism mm -hmm. um, and then they I think changed ownership and it, it expanded its mission to be yeah. you know a politically radical um, yep. bookstore and, and center and they do have a cafe. <laughs> yeah and, they, and they've been, and they've been there for a while and they have a very strong community and a great presence. And when we were down there, it was it was a good connection for us to have while we were down there. So mm -hmm. it's nice to have someone else akin to what we're doing and have a relationship in that way. So um, the other thing is early on, we just networking with our friends and you know our good friend Brian Clamp, who has an art gallery in Chelsea, was a consultant for us. Our good friend David Christie introduced us to A.A. Bronson, who gave us some great advice on what to do and what not to do when it came to zines or in, you know in the New York market, how to connect better with the community. So a lot of support. And then our friend Mark Owen introduced us to uh, Claire Fleury and Alicia Exum, who had Strange Loop Gallery on Orchard Street. And th through that introduction, they hosted us first. 
and we were there um, and had an amazing time. And you know, we were we had originally they had agreed we had all agreed that we would be there for two and a half months. Yep. It was going to be a pop up shop, and then we didn't know what was going to be next. <laughs> we had no we idea. Just, we <laughs> will fundraise, yeah, and we financially planned for let's try this out and see because New York is famous for pop ups. So let's sure. just do it, right? And. And then that transformed into a longer relationship that was nine months. Nine and a half, yeah. Yeah, nine we and had a half. Done, we did a little fundraiser. It wasn't mm-hmm. one of those all or nothing kind of fundraisers. We got the nothing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I think. I mean, we launched it like a, a couple of weeks after we opened. So, you know, people didn't know who we were. It was, yeah. it was a real tough, tough sell. Yeah. Um, what was the, the timeline uh uh, what what year are we talking about for this first location? When was this? 2012. Yeah, 2012? November fifteenth, twenty twelve is yeah. when we opened. Mm-hmm. All right. um, and and the I think the pop up idea is interesting. Was that basically just to kind of get your, the feeling mm-hmm. of the vibe of what it would yeah actually yeah. be if that we, and we didn't have money for <laughs> well <laughs> a five year lease. So. You know, we we did our we did our business plan, and like most new LLCs, we didn't finish the business plan. But we had we had con- consultants, and most businesses don't finish the business plan and use yeah. it as a guide. Yeah. So that's kind of where we were, and the intent of the pop up was exactly that. Uh, you know, and me, uh, Greg has some retail background, but he comes from academia, and I've been in retail since I was 18. And so, understanding the retail dynamics or the business dynamics of that, it was okay. Let's feel this out and let's see what's going on in New York because we know independent bookstores are around, but they're scarcer and scarcer. What is possible? What's possible? And what they did for us, what Strange Loop did for us, was allow us to root down and get connected to the kind of community and crowd that we wanted to really deeply the art crowd fashion crowd music indie like urban uh, you know new york folks that are to this day our friends still and um yeah we had we had envisioned this being on the lower east side yeah. or east village yeah um <clears throat> i was always drawn to that neighborhood it was mm-hmm. the first neighborhood i i moved into and lived in for a few years before moving to brooklyn um, and just loved the legacy. I mean, you know, Allen Ginsberg and the Beats had been there. Wigstock started there. Yeah. So there's the we, punk legacy. It was I mean, queer, all of the but art. it was the queer was all part of that art yeah. and poetry scene, and we loved that. David you know, Warnerovich. I mean, all of it, it had a different I mean, feel than the West Village. Oh, that's gay men. You know, right. which is what people think, and, and we like that. Like, yeah. okay, we don't we're, want we're two men. We don't want everyone to think this is just. Boy, we already we already point. battled that. We already knew that that was going to be okay. These are two white guys, and they're also gay, and so everything's going to be male centric. So we and that, but that's not who we are. We we're all over the map in terms of our taste and interest and connection. So we wanted to make part of our mission be exclusive of all voices and participate and contribute. This isn't our space. This is everyone, which is kind of fundamentally where we went with events. We opened mm-hmm. it, and the, the advice that A.A. Bronson said to us was say yes more than you say no. And we went in totally saying yes to almost everything. And that has, you know, really has been the thread from then to now, is that now we have so many people, wonderful people coming and offering and saying, hey, I'd love to do an event with you, that it's kind of 
building itself on its own at this stage. Greg does a ton of work, don't get me wrong, but it's less of us reaching out the way we did initially it too, it now folks are coming to us and it's like, okay, yes, oh no, that's not really our audience. We won't do that, you know? And just to quickly say who A.A. A. Bronson is, we mentioned him twice. <laughs> uh, he's a Canadian artist. He was originally part of uh, an artist group that was, uh, they were also lovers, three guys in Toronto called General Idea. Um, two of them died. A.A. Bronson is the one who survived. But most people know them. They were the ones who did, uh, they took Gary and Gary, uh, not Gary, Robert Indiana's L-O-V-E, you know, from the 60s, that famous uh, art form. I mean, it's taken form in sculpture or painting signs. And they did AIDS, mm -hmm. A-I-D-S. Mm -hmm. um, so most people have seen that. That's one of their, their works. But A.A. has been in New York for a long time. Um, he's been on the board of Printed Matter, mm -hmm. um, which is in Chelsea, which is an important, uh, it's, it's not really a bookstore, it's like anything printed mm -hmm. that artists do, anything yeah. that's printed on something, <laughs> uh, and it's an amazing place. Um, and he started the New York Art Book Fair um, a few years ago, which has blown up into this huge thing, um, and that was actually our first uh, the first time we had <clears throat> stuff to sell. <laughs> yeah, that was we our had, first. We had a table tell. at at the New York Art Book Fair um, with in in the tent where all the zines were. So it takes place at PS One, um, which is owned by MoMA, and that's in Long Island City, and it's this huge, huge fair. And um, most of it takes place in the building, but there's also a tent outside where. It's mostly zine makers or you know <clears throat> low-cost items um, it also happens to be like feels like 70% queer <laughs> so we felt right at home <laughs> it was really nice we got to meet a lot of great people we had already met some of them and had been working with some of them um, through the outreach we had done but that's kind of where we I mean we we officially went public and launched the bureau in on pride 2012 mm -hmm where we went with about 16 volunteers. We had our t-shirts printed up, Bureau of General Services, Queer Division. Uh, and the back, uh, the back had coming, coming soon to New York, a bookstore and cafe. Queer bookstore and cafe yeah. coming cafe. soon. Yeah. Yeah. Are, we still have those t-shirts. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. there are definitely collector's items. So we, the, we went out with the volunteers, collected yeah. email addresses. We launched our website that day so people could go to the website and, yeah. and fill out a little survey so we could get some feeling of like, if you gave us your email address, you got a free tote bag. <laughs> so 17 of our, our friends who offered up for their day, you know, we had we had a great day. It was pretty incredible to just walk around and talk to people. Yeah. And, and, and almost everyone was like, oh, my God, it's so important. Oh, my God, this is great. Oh, I can't wait. So that was our first pulse check of, yeah. you know what, there's a there's a thirst for it. It's what's the right dynamic and how mm -hmm. can we make this successful? Knowing that New York kills kills business <laughs> of real 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 estate because of real estate. Yeah. How did yeah. cost? How did the name come about? That's a great. What do you story. mean? Yeah. <laughs> it's complicated name. There are Everybody, many sources. Yeah, to this. many sources. I mean, we don't even have a good origin story of how we got there because we were tossing around so many names. But I do remember at one point saying like, okay, whatever we call this, I want the word queer in there. I want that to be clear, that it's, that's, yeah. this is a queer 
thing that's We envision the sign on the outside so that it wouldn't be misleading to anyone. We don't want anyone walking in here by accident and going, oh, ah, oh, right? <laughs> right. Okay, there it is. And what we did you wanted walk to into? signal to other queers, like, <clears throat> this is for you. Right. <laughs> so even if we were playing around with these mm -hmm. playful names, that might be a little like, what, what is what that? Is that? What, uh, what? We did want that to be in there. Yeah, um, the other piece is not to have the word book in there, bookstore, book yeah. because of the death knell that was tolling and has been <laughs> ongoing, and that people just have this ugh, overweighted idea of, yeah. oh, books, ugh. Or they'd say, oh, you yeah, know, the gay bookstore, uh, yeah, that's over. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. So yeah. we wanted it to, <clears throat> to signal, like, that, no, this is something different. Something, and we can do anything we want with that on. name. We can mm -hmm. we can do anything we want with that name. It could we could we could just take all the books out of here tomorrow <laughs> and turn it into a clothing store, right? So, and I mean that's an extreme, of course, but that's just an example of what the name allows. And the origin of the name is we're kids of the '80s, and the bands that we grew up with and the music that influenced us are very uh, fake, organizational sounding, very institutionalized. So, Joy Division, Kraftwerk, Human League, the Style Council, Culture Club. We could go on, right? New order, New order public image limited. Public, yeah. yeah, so it was a play on. We did. We wanted it to be a name that kind of stood out. Yes, it confuses some people. Yes, it's a mouthful, <laughs> but that's not on us. So we we followed our yeah. feelings, and and our friends actually helped us pick pick out the name. We had four or five names, which I don't even remember what they are now. But we like I sent out emails and said. Which one of these do you think is best? And this was the one. And yeah, people liked. Do you remember the the? It was like a queer punk band, Pansy Division. Yeah. Uh, in the nineties, so we liked that. Yeah, we like, liked that. Taking Joy Division. Joy Division and, and Pansy Division. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I was also doing a PhD in art history, um, and I was very. I mean, what ended up fascinating me about art history? I had also done uh, as an undergrad studied religion, were these ideas of what is legitimate you know what what is um authentic because the art market depends on it has to be a legitimate work by this artist it has to um it has to be an authentic thing to sell it's been and, authorized and i always was i was fascinated by the artists who played with that like dadaists who who played with like well what is who who legitimizes it um and we liked how that connected to where we are in LGBT politics, like, okay, in the, the fight recently has been so focused on marriage and on uh, overturning don't ask, don't tell, um, and it seemed like, okay, so the focus is really on getting these larger institutions to legitimize us, which we kind of bristled at, like, no, 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 we don't get our legitimacy from you, we get it from ourselves, like, we don't need someone else to legitimize us. I mean, I, I realize it's complicated and there's some good things about getting that legitimacy. You get some goodies with it. Um, like not losing your job or... <laughs> Taxes. Yeah, yeah, there's a lot of good things sure, with, with getting that legitimacy. But the question right. of legitimacy is something that I've always found really, really interesting. And, and the fact, and I like coming back to like, no, you get it from yourself. Mm -hmm. And if you don't get it from yourself, no, no authority is really going to give it to you if you don't feel legitimate as a human being in and of yourself. Um, so we like that the idea of like 
we make our own bureaus. We make our own yeah. institutions. And when we filed our name, we actually tried to file as Bureau of General Services in the state of New York, and they said no because it sounded too much like a governmental agency. So we had to file as BGSQD. So we and can I, operate I, under that name yeah. on our own, but for, for for tax filing purposes and institutionalization, it's BGSQD. Yeah. Um, what was I going to say? I. Oh, I lost it. Anyway. <laughs> well, starting, I'm interested to know, starting from the pop-up store in 2012 mm -hmm. to now, how do you think um, uh, that many years in business, what has changed and evolved? Uh, I mean, you've been through several different locations, but mm -hmm. how has the idea of the store and what you carry uh, changed mm -hmm. over the years? Um... Well, our second location we moved to was right around the corner. Um, it was on Hester Street. Mm -hmm. So we were on Orchard between Canal and Hester. We moved around the corner. We moved while we were doing this five-week fundraiser, which was crazy. <laughs> it was not, you know, all of this has been by the seat of our pants, you know. So it was like we launched this fundraiser in July. <laughs> How ideal, going through early September. Um, when everybody's gone. Exactly. I, was, I mean, we hoped that the tail end of it, right. ending like, I guess, a, a couple weeks into mm. September, that that would help it. But anyway, it was, it was, I mean, it was great. We ended up doing this pyramid club party. Justin Sayre, I don't know if you know him. He's a, a great comedian, writer thinker uh he's actually doing quite well for himself now um doing shows at la mama and joe's pub um but we had approached him because he mm -hmm. uh, he had been doing this thing called uh, the international order of sodomites so naturally we loved that uh and they were these he um did them at the duplex mm -hmm. at the time and they were, they were just funny and it was about kind of holding on to gay culture and and he would talk as the chairman of the board of the international order of sodomites and he had like a little uh, cloth that folded out <laughs> the initials and he would the chairman decrees <laughs> uh and and it was all about like often like wagging his finger at, at queers of today and saying like don't forget where you came from and don't forget your heritage and uh, in a playful way and he would he would feature um it would focus on different uh queer icons uh so of course there was eliza one and there was a share one and uh and and um so justin ended up being the the mc for this this fundraising party we did at the pyramid club and the pyramid club itself is such a legend east village performance um, and so much of it queer um, and it was really exciting and Justin Vivian Bond performed um, a lot of uh, so many people Dane Terry uh, uh, Penny Arcade so it was really exciting for us we felt like connecting to those roots that we that we valued in in the city that were queer and queer in a in a broad sense which is one of the things we love about that word is that it is like okay it's not necessarily about your sexuality alone or your gender identity alone it's i guess you could say it's about not fitting in with the dominant culture and that was something we valued so um okay what has changed oh yeah sorry i then, went off on a total tangent what has changed from <laughs> then to now is 
where we had we had a very clear idea of what we wanted to stock as time went on we just became more aggressive in terms of opening up to people as they came in saying what are we not carrying what should we have what do you think is part of this mission that we're on and making a cultural space that is not all inclusive all exhaustive when it comes to being a library because that is not the method and then making sure that we curate it so along the way we kept to that and then I would say midpoint through, we kind of got a little heavy. So we got too much in and then some of it wasn't moving and some of the stock wasn't moving. So then we had to rethink about a year ago when, when we moved in here, um, after we moved in here, okay, we have a lot of stuff on the shelves. What is not resonating, what is resonating and get back to a curatorial mentality and, and just say, okay, if there's something we don't have, we can order it for you. So we, we went on, it was sort of like a up and down and then back to original. So that, that has been a change for us. Um, I think financially when we first opened up, we just wanted it to be a space for people to come and talk and we didn't want to charge for anything. We didn't want to ask for money. We were just like, this should just exist. And along the way, we've realized and had a lot of people mentoring us and saying, you know, your, your events are free. You're not asking for a donation. You're not doing a door charge, you know, or you're just having beer and wine for free. And, oh, you know, you could ask for a little donation for these kinds of things. And so because of our innocence and naivete, <laughs> right, and our, we just wanted the to have a space. The beer and wine was not free for long. <laughs> <laughs> we, you know, we, open, we opened up to the ideas of, and the possibilities of how can, aside from a massive fundraising campaign or a Kickstarter, et cetera, Indiegogo. What can we do along the way to generate interest and support from the community firsthand? And that was, okay, we can offer suggested donation. No one's turned away. We can now, you know, what about if we ask at the door, suggested donation, no one turned away. Mm -hmm. We ask artists because it is the space and they're using the space and Greg has uh, is labor intensive with doing the Facebook posting and the the emailing and all that great stuff that goes into a business what about asking artists to contribute up front when they book an event with us versus us just saying yes come on do it and not asking for anything we and at first it was like oh that's kind of strange but then we realized artists are willing to help and they understand and they yeah. totally get and we don't really get any kind yeah, we of just, like I mean oh, we just I explain it very we don't sell enough books to support this we're all volunteer we're not making any money um, we have a lot of volunteer help but we need you to chip in too so if you want to do an event with us we ask you to, yeah. to chip in as well and and after we felt confident enough doing it because okay we've been doing this for a while we've shown you that we are committed to this mm -hmm. now we need you to chip in too right uh, and knowing that from the business and when we have book events, books still didn't sell, even at the events. Yeah. So what, what, are you, what is the public doing? If this is a participatory relationship, yeah. this is an exchange, and if we're no income for four years, right, and I do this outside of my <laughs> day job, which supports us, no income 
for this. So passion project, but it is a community passion project. So what could we do that would be um, acceptable for the community, the artists would buy into and support us in ways. And we are sponsored by Fractured Atlas. So if you want to donate to us and write it off on your taxes, you can go through Fractured Atlas. So we have an umbrella umbrella organization. Yeah, Yeah. we have umbrella nonprofit status, even though we're an LLC. And we we really got tired of talking till we were blue in the face about buy books, buy books. Yeah, don't buy on Amazon. Don't buy. We know. We. I'm tired of talking about it. I'm tired of making that pitch. Yeah. Um. So if you value this, then support us, whatever way you want. Right. Um, if you're not buying books, then make a donation or volunteer here or drop a buck in the box. Yeah, something. I mean, uh, and know. it's helped tremendously. Mm-hmm. I mean, we we've gotten more aggressive about it. Um, and our featured artists who come in, like Raymond Lutzak, who's here today, mm-hmm. they more 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 are saying to their audiences, "Hey, support, donate." Give them some change. Buy a book. Yeah. Right? Yeah. You're in the space. So it's become less of us having... That's been a big change from yeah. then to now is that we don't have to say that message the way we used to. Now the artists are coming in and they're, they totally get it and, and say... And we now have a history. Like, yeah. That we can and we have to, like, we've done this. We've done that. And, right. you know, we've, we've had this many exhibitions. We've had this many artists and, and writers and activists mm-hmm. perform here. And, yep. Uh, an estimated crowd size and all that stuff you can point to and say and the people we've worked with which is very valuable to us we can say like we've done a variety of things um, it's all different kinds of people um, and people see that and they're like oh okay um, you know we'd like to work with you and that's been nice like to hear mm-hmm. like yeah. the bi community they're like wow we're not used to other queers taking us seriously or even noticing us and mm-hmm. You guys have been super nice. Or the trans community and mm-hmm. poetry, trans poetry readings are packed. packed. They're uh, packed. And it, it shows that people are really into this. We can sit 45 with chairs. Um, it gets a little tight, but then some of the chairs can be up uh, on high. We say and 40 then, to 50. Yeah, 40 to 50. And if it's a standing room event, because sometimes we do have standing room events, performers don't want chairs. They just want to have the space to move around in. We can fit. I don't know. The room capacity is no more. I don't even know what's on the door. 150. I don't see 150 in here. Oh no! But, I don't want to be in here with 150. <laughs> yeah, unless some are hanging from the because, ceiling. Well, and I think it's because our fixtures are in here. So if it was a vacant room yeah, with just maybe. chairs, I could see that. So I would say no. I would push standing room 75. Okay. Would be okay. push. You know, for us. The most full it's level ever been was you weren't, and I wasn't you weren't here. here. For it, um, Jiraiya is this uh, Japanese um, manga artist, uh, gay manga artist, um, and uh, Anne Ishii and Graham Colbines who do Massive. I don't know if you know that. Yeah. yeah. Um, they they brought him over, uh, and it was his uh, first time in New York, and and he doesn't speak any English, and he has such a cult following. And uh, it was packed. It was so crazy. I was really worried. We, you know, I'm like, oh, the art on the wall. Don't knock the collages off. They're <laughs> fragile. <laughs> but it was amazing. I mean, it was great that there was the center actually had to ask people to leave because they were blocking the halls. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so you mentioned a little bit about your back to being more of a curated. Mm-hmm. 
store mm-hmm. now. What do you look to stock mm-hmm. in general for your books and your zines? We, or what What have you learned that people are most interested in? That's a better way to put yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. Somewhere what, between what, curation of what people sure, want. It's sure, It's also sure. what we, it's a combination of what we've put out there okay. and what the response has been. Because yeah. we definitely, but, you know, that link to the East Village and Lower East Side, yeah. radical the politics, in, in the, experimental mm-hmm. art, right. um, all of that was important to us. Uh, and so we gotten that back and certainly when we were in that gallery that um claire fleury and alicia exum's strange loop gallery that made such a perfect fit in that way um and so yeah i would say things that are uh uh off the beaten track uh you know are from the beginning we had a kind of oppositional stance to the kind of human rights campaign mode of of thinking like we're just like you you know our thing has been like no no we're not (laughs) and we don't we really don't want to be you know you're not a model for (laughs) you know for us to follow i think we can teach you a lot more (laughs) about how not to you know how to have a just society and how to be uh, loving to people and compassionate of people uh, towards people who are different and who don't fit in with your expectations so that's been key to it definitely um and i would say what what the community has registered is they love the exposure to authors or artists who do their own work that is on the edge that is very indie and and handmade homemade so that's what why the zines are so powerful the other piece is we do really well with um academic titles of a certain genre so gender studies even we've had more recently requests around lgbt history mm-hmm. and we also have there you know we got we got a selection of books on hiv history aids activism because there was a there we started to get more of an ask since we've been here for books like that and then the other piece i would say the regular sellers we do well with the classics so the books that like I said earlier, um, James Baldwin, Ed White, David Leavitt, etc., John Reshi, but also you know Kathy Acker and mm-hmm. some of our um, in the community, in the community, well known, but the general community coming and asking for people that maybe they wouldn't find at a Barnes and Dennis Noble. Cooper, you know, right? So um, we that that definitely is has registered. Um, the one thing we actively though face is we get a lot of male artists. So how we actively pursue including art exhibitions or content that isn't male driven. Um, Which obviously is not reflected right now. (laughs) It's work. It's a challenge. It's It's work. work. Yeah, Um, it's constant. I can't tell you how many gay male artists have come to us and it's like, this is great. I like this. We've featured a lot of dick. And, you know, (laughs) it's a a back and forth. Like, okay, obviously people respond to this and a lot of people like it, but we have to come back and remember. So... Mm. Uh, is it a matter of not being able to find those artists or that when those artists are in the space 
they're not trafficked as much or I would lean more towards finding them and getting connected to them mm -hmm. so there are so many people out there doing so much which is where the New York Art Book Fair was a great launch for us because we connected with countless people from that first initial event mm -hmm. in 2012 um, that helped to, to feed what we carried in the beginning and I think it is a matter of getting out there and exposure to who's doing what. We have our own events, so we do not go out. <laughs> our social life are this the events we have. <laughs> yeah. So we can't get out to go to a Brooklyn anything yeah. or a Harlem anything or a Bronx anything because when we're done with this, we just go home. And so it's been important to reach out. Reaching to, out. Like our next exhibition is going to be a group show, and um, it's being – uh, it's it's artists who work with visual aids. I don't know if you know visual aids. They uh, they were found in the nineties, maybe even eighties, um, to support people with HIV AIDS um, through the arts mm -hmm. um, and to support artists, artists who are with, uh, yeah. HIV positive. Yep. Um, and and they're a great organization. We love the work they do. Um, and so they asked, we, we reached out to them, so that's going to be a group show. It's being curated by Sam Gordon. Um, so it's, it's good for us to do that. And then our show in the fall is being uh, curated by John Cheich, um, who is, is someone we were introduced to pretty early on in, in the game. So it's good to do that, to have like, okay, you're out there, you're doing this already. <laughs> because what's coming to us is primarily male artists that are focused on the male body. Yeah. And it's great, we love it, it's a big part of what we do, but we don't want to only be mm -hmm. uh, doing that. Yeah, it's a one-sided dialogue. You know, in, in November, our show November, December, January was an activist show that I was I was really proud of. I worked with Charlie Welch um, to pull that together, um, and Elsa Waith. I mean, this wall was amazing. It was like a Black Lives Matter wall. It was all these signs, it, portraits of people who who were victims of police violence, queer and not queer. Uh, um, and, and it was just a wall of faces and the dates of their birth and death. Uh, and that was really powerful. And then the rest of the room had like um, dyke activism, queer activism, act up. act up, AIDS activism. Occupy. So yeah, it was, it was nice. Mm -hmm. So outside of the events, how would you describe your customers? Because your events obviously draw. <laughs> Different customers depending on the event. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. But who's your general during your open hours between one and seven, seven, seven. yeah mm -hmm. who's coming in the door i well being at yeah. the center has changed things dramatically mm -hmm. so it's people who there are people who uh, are here all the time who use the center a lot mm -hmm. in their services um and then there are i would say a lot of tourists a lot of people who mm -hmm. are visiting new york and they do a little search and yep. they're like, oh, I found Those, you. <laughs> right. They search, they search us or because they're visiting and maybe not see us, but they see the center. And so they right. come to the center as a hub, which is incredible. And then in the course of coming into the center, they get the, uh, you see them walking around with the programs in the directory of the space. And then they come in and they poke in. And you know, we still we often get the, yeah, what is this? What is this? <laughs> which is great because the library used to be in right. this room. So, so we, we do also people. get, hey, is this the library? What is this? And then we, we educate. And so we get that consumer, we get the international consumer or the out-of-town consumer who knows wh who 
we are see as us online and then they come directly to see us so and people I, who've known met us through the events yeah I come mean, the back. events are just so important yeah it's it's when we do the bulk of our business it's when we get right. most people in here and it just keeps expanding the project because with each one like yeah. oh my friend read here or oh uh, my you know I, i'm so, so sorry i missed that event or i know my friend said you had their book and yeah. i wanted to come in i heard so much about you or my friends have come to events and i've heard so much about this place and but i never got a chance to come so and, and this is where social media is important because you put a photograph up and people are like oh i wish i had gone to that <laughs> and it's so important to mm -hmm. like there's stuff going on here all the time. Yeah. It's active. I, I, mean, I subscribe to the newsletter, even though we're obviously not just showing up at your doorstep. <laughs> yeah. But Why you've not? got stuff going on two, three, four nights a week. Yeah. 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 I would say if, if you looked at a demographic of our consumer, just at the age group, we get we get a younger, younger, exploratory, curious customer coming in and then we get the other end of the community that remembers the gay bookstores mm -hmm. and has heard about us or has come to an event and then they have continued to follow us and we also have customers still following us from when we were downtown at strange loop and so remembering that oh that space was so amazing but it's so nice to see where you've come and everyone has been really supportive about the evolution mm -hmm. um, and excited that we're here in the center and has kept in touch um, and we do what we can do to keep those relationships going and reaching out to the art community or the fashion community that was first there with us to just say hey come on and then picking events that might attract them to come out because they might be all in mm -hmm. Brooklyn right so what could we do to you know include them still now that we're not in the Lower East Side yeah. so but so much of the programming is just people coming to us. Mm. It's it's a lot. Sometimes I feel like, oh, did I respond to that email? I feel bad. I don't. It's hard to keep up with. It's For you, so is this your full -time much. Job? It's my full time job. Yeah, mm -hmm. non paying, sure. <laughs> yeah. but full time nonetheless. <laughs> Which I've gotten better at reminding people. Like, mm -hmm. not because I mean yeah. I'm choosing to do it. Sure. It's no one's holding sure. a gun to my sure. head. But I do want people to know, like, yeah. This yeah. is I'm doing this not because of a paycheck, although yeah. someday that would be real nice, but because I really believe in this and Do it's you, valuable to us. I know we should wrap up because yeah. you guys need to actually yeah. open the door. <laughs> and, and, I want, and on that thread, though, I want to acknowledge the volunteers yeah. that help mm -hmm. us, the ones yeah. that actually show up and the handful that actually shift the full day, like Lewis is about to come in, and they take care of it yeah, so that he can work at home and do things at home without you know, the, the concern of being focused on too many things mm -hmm. at one time and just build the newsletter on Monday and send it out and book events on Wednesday, yeah. uh, you know, because we have Bill who's here on Wednesday and then Dan who, who's here on Thursdays and then Abed who's here on Saturday, which allowed us to be at the Rainbow Book Fair yesterday. <laughs> yeah. So to pull yeah, us back around, really... right? We want to acknowledge the volunteers who are here during the day and allow the work that he has to do to happen. Mm -hmm. You know, the behind the scenes stuff that a lot of people don't see. Yeah. And for me, it's the accounting. It's <laughs> following up on the inventory. It's the finance, it's the tax stuff. It's the, oh. So, you know, and that's my nighttime weekend if I'm not here helping with events with him mm -hmm. at night after I spend my day doing my day job, right? Yeah. So. Um, we just want to acknowledge the volunteers. Absolutely. Last question. Do you see a point where this does start to turn a profit? Maybe you draw a mm -hmm. paycheck. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 
we, I mean, we pretty much have reached the conclusion that we have to become a nonprofit. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. We and and to get funds from you know grants uh, that because what we're doing is community work, you know, right. and there's money out there for that. Mm-hmm. It's just we're. An, under an umbrella organization, right. we're not a nonprofit ourselves. Um, so we want to figure out how to get there and the best way to get there, so that we can get funding and yeah, that I can mm-hmm. actually get paid for my labor. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, and but and, funding also to evolve the space. Mm-hmm. So. Um, a, a, a projector screen potentially that drops out of the ceiling, <laughs> a projector that is in the ceiling sure. embedded so we can have more seats when we have projection, a better amp sound system with multi-mics. Yeah. I mean, you know, and all that money that's available and accessible to a nonprofit, mm-hmm. you know, but his labor hours and pay for that in some way is is critical. Yeah. And it would be great to have funds. We, we have so many great connections with so many kinds of artists and activists mm-hmm. and authors it would be great to do like a biannual publication or annual publication yeah, sure. you know whatever yeah. Yeah, yeah we have so many people who are like i'd love to support mm-hmm. you or work with you yep. um and we did one for the fundraiser we did back yeah. in 2013 i'm glad you um, mentioned that the poet andrew durbin yep. we asked him to pull together mm-hmm. a, a collection of people um some of whom had been with us from the beginning others who we didn't yeah. know that he knew and and we did a, a book with publication studio and independent press that we really like um and uh, so that was like if you donated fifty dollars or more, you got a copy of the book, which yeah. was called Future Perfect. Yeah. Um, so we got a taste of the publishing piece of it, and I think that's something we is that, that was part of our original business plan. Mm-hmm. Is that it ulti- the ten year plan was? I would love to have a publishing press, a house, indie house, right? No, whether it's one title a year or it's two or whatever the ambition is, I would love to have a bureau imprint. And Andrew Durbin allowed us to taste that and him curating it and, 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 and pulling it together was just amazing. Um, and the format that it's in and the size that it is and who is represented is incredible. So I think we got a good taste of that and it's still part of the plan yeah. somewhere along the way. And we had people who've approached us as well saying hey I want to start a press would you guys be interested in talking and so we've been approached to potentially do it but we're not at that stage yeah. I think uh, I think non time. right the time energy <laughs> I think the nonprofit status is the next major step for us yeah that's the next change in the business most small businesses if you at five years are not shifting a profit you need to call it a day and that is statistically the proof and so we are at four years thanks to the center they've allowed us to stay alive if it wasn't for being in this space we would not be probably not even close to this incarnation, maybe a different kind of pop-up element, but definitely not in production like this. So to them, we owe a, a debt. And I think the next step as a nonprofit, generating some income, and then ultimately hiring people and sure. paying job generation, right? So That would be amazing. Yeah. <laughs> so there, there are all kinds of ambitions that we have, and um, it's just a matter of us freeing up time. and To figure out how to get yeah, there. Yeah. Yeah. Well, guys, thank you so much. Sure. Yeah, thank sweet. You. Thank you. To get the story. Yeah. yeah, thanks for having us. We want to say thank you to Greg and Donnie at the Bureau of General Services for taking the time out of their very busy schedule to uh, talk to us about what they're creating there at the center in Manhattan. Um, yeah. I love these guys. They're so smart and they're so funny and they're so passionate about what they're doing. Uh, 
I think one of the things I love about doing this podcast is getting the chance to talk about talk about the stuff we love talking about, of course, but getting the chance to talk to people about the stuff that they're passionate about. Uh, and without the podcast, I don't think we would have really had the chance to talk to them and get to know them that way. And um, Yeah, I agree. And it, it, as an author, some of their energy and passion for what they do just reinfuses me to have that passion for what I'm trying to do too, and I yeah. hope I hope the authors and the other entrepreneur types out there who who listen to the show really grab onto some of that stuff because they're just like we're going to do this and we're going to keep doing it until yeah yeah it takes over the world <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So if you are in Manhattan or visiting the center on is it 13th? It is 13th, 13th Street, 13th and 7th. <laughs> yeah, if you're on uh, 13th and 7th uh, anytime and uh, want to stop by the center. And give them a shout out uh, and take a look at some of the things they have on offer. Uh, you definitely should. They're really awesome. Yeah. And check out their website, too, that always talks about the events that are coming. And subscribe to their newsletter. Yeah. So we have a special announcement. You've cooked up a, a, a wild and crazy harebrained scheme <laughs> that I think is actually going to be really super awesome. Uh, here on the show, we like to talk about books that we have been reading and uh, generally, every episode we have a recommendation or two, mm -hmm. but the fact is that we can only read so fast, and uh, some weeks, you know what, we don't have anything to recommend. So, you came up with this idea to have contributors to the podcast. Exactly. So, essentially, how it's going to work is every week, we're going to have different bloggers or different people in the uh, gay romance field, um, come in and talk to you, our listeners, for a couple of minutes about some of the books that they've been reading or some of the, uh, it can, well, they can actually talk about anything. Yeah. I mean, because if you think about, you know, what we say in the in the tagline up front, if you can read it, watch it, listen to it, mm -hmm. we're going to talk about it. And, and these guys are under the same uh, banner as that, if you will. Yeah. Um, so each week we're going to have... Uh, some really diverse, interesting people talking to you about what they're um, really into, uh, whether it be books or movies or music or it could be just about anything. Yeah. Uh, and luckily, we have actually gotten the guys from the Bureau of General Services Queer Division, Greg and Donnie, to, uh, they have graciously accepted the challenge yep. <laughs> of being one of our contributors uh, so we're glad that they um, were able to talk to us and uh, uh, give uh, you, our listeners, a chance to get to know them a little bit before they um, start their segment here on the show. Yeah. Now, they aren't going to be the only contributors. We have a actually long list of pretty incredible people you've lined up. Yeah, we're very lucky to be joined in this endeavor uh, by Joyfully Jay, mm -hmm. uh, Love Bites, The Novel Approach, Prison Book Alliance, and Queer Centric Books. Mm -hmm. So each... Each week we'll be rotating amongst these six uh, groups. Uh, we may or may not hear from the folks who run those blogs or, or the business each week. When we were talking to Greg and Donnie, they're like, they may occasionally have some of their people who volunteer in the store to talk about what they like. Mm -hmm. um, you know, 
somebody from one of the blogs may have one of the reviewers come on instead of it, if, instead of it being the person who runs the blog. So we're kind of excited to get this diversity of voice yes. um, in the podcast. And we're sure it's going to grow our to-read and our to-watch list, and <laughs> we suspect it's going to do the same thing for you guys as well. Uh, you can check out any of the contributors. There's a new uh, link on the website called Contributors that'll link up to each of these uh, sources so you can get more familiar with them if you don't know who they are. Okay. I think that'll do it for this week. It will do it for this week. If um, you want to learn more about the Bureau of uh, General Services or about any of our upcoming contributors, like Jeff mentioned, please visit the website. BigGayFictionPodcast.com That's it. And, of course, anything we mentioned in this show, you can check out the show notes for episode number 29. Awesome. Coming up next week, uh, we'll get started with those contributors, and the first one out of the gate will be Joyfully Jay. Mm-hmm. Uh, we also have Jeff Garvin, whose debut novel, Symptoms of Being Human, kind of rocked my world earlier this year. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, that'll do it. Uh, we wanted to give a shout-out to Jenna, who left us a nice five-star review on iTunes this past week. So generous, so kind. Thank you very yes, much, Thank Jenna. you so much. And she also shouted us out on her blog as well this week, so cool. thank you for that. Please think about leaving us a review. It does help our, our visibility in gathering more people to check us out. Um, And I think that'll do it until next week. All right. Until next time, guys. See ya. Bye. Thank you for listening to Jeff and Will's Big Gay Fiction Podcast. For detailed show notes, go to BigGayFictionPodcast.com.